Welcome to Touching the Monolith. I am Lejean de la Juan Fondue. And I am the Master Bob. And this is episode 95. 95. 95. Say 95 again. 95. Is that divisible by anything, Lejean? Probably. Five. No, it's divisible by everything. (laughs) So, what did we talk about last time? Nothing really important. We talked about Game talked of Thrones. We talked about Game of Thrones, and we talked about Phineas and Ferb. Mm, that's right, which I started watching. Ah, uh, yes. It's very silly. Ferb doesn't speak very much. Ferb doesn't hardly speak at all. Right. <laughs> He's okay. sort of the Silent Bob character. Yes. <laughs> he sometimes does. He, he does. But even when he does, it's hard to hear him. He's got the whole British accent thing going on, and he's very understated. Yes. Ah. Uh, I don't like the sister. Well, you're not supposed to like the sister. Okay. I mean, come on. She's the big sister. She's the tattletale. She she is a tattletale. She has the she's the Angelica of the show. At the same time, you've got you've got to see it from her point of view. She is definitely her brothers shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Right. Right. Well, they shouldn't be able to do what they do, but they do. Aren't you a little young to be? <laughs> Why, yes. Yes, we are. I like the platypus thing. The, yes. What was it? Agent platypus? Agent P. Agent P. Perry the platypus. That's very cute. Yes. Where's, where's Perry? Yes. Conspicuously <laughs> absent every single time. Yes. It's very cute. Has anyone seen Perry? It's a good running gag. <laughs> it really is. Uh-huh. Yes. I'm, I'm up a little further uh, than you right now. So I can't tell you what has happened. Okay. But something has happened, and you'll be surprised because they have they turned it on its ear. Okay. Because right now the running gag is that Candace is trying to get them caught. Right. And every time she has half a chance, everything is back to normal. Right. Right. Okay. Remember that particular running gag. Yeesh. Foreshadowing. Yes. Okay. So remember that running gag. Remember the running gag. It's hard to forget. It happens in every freaking episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anywho, so uh, the touchers are probably not really caring about this right now. So why don't you give out the new website? The new website. We've moved because we hate GoDaddy. Well, GoDaddy does kind of suck, and that's largely because we didn't pay our re-up expecting that we we could wait for it to drop off and, and get the touchingthemonolith.com back. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, GoDaddy must have bought the thing for two years or whatever. In perpetuity, In, probably. Or Yeah, well, they, the expiration on uh, Internet curr- Internic currently says that it is uh, March 20th of 2013 as the expiration date. So, the current... Uh, web address, which will drop through uh, Facebook, for those who are worried. Do you, do you want to actually? Do we want to give this out because it does have your name in it? I've given out my name before. Okay, I've, I've especially on the uh, the whenever I put the published work out. Yeah, my right. name's okay. fully on that. Okay, all right. So my we can name. Cut that whole part out. My name is now. I'll leave it on. <laughs> the address is www.lejeanajohnson.net slash touching the monolith. Have you thought about the one that I suggested? The the the, the one the uh, 
replacement website since touching the monolith is taken? Well, we could always do touchingthemonolith.net. That's available. Mm. Or we could do well. Okay, or, or we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I did buy net too, or it is available. It it was available when I went to internet. I I don't. Uh, okay. Or one and one hosting. All right. Yep. So maybe we'll go to .net. Maybe we'll find a whole new website. Yeah, possibly. Make a change. I tell you, getting getting the current site up and running was was uh, a bitch. But he did it. I did it. I finally did it. What language is it in? So far, it's in English. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lashon. Muy bueno. (laughs) No, it's still a WordPress site. Um, It uh, continues. It's all your. It's all the database information from the other site. I just had to manually change all the links that said touchingthemonolith.com to the current address, which is www.lejeanajohnson.net slash touching the monolith. Yes. And for anyone who's interested, the lejeanajohnson.net site is my personal blog, which doesn't get updated very often. So there. Whatever happened to your story? It hasn't been finished yet. (laughs) Okay. Just check it. It's sitting out there somewhere. All right, well, let's take a break. Okay. Now that we have our intro done. And we'll come back for the meat of the episode. Now that we are info dumped, we are going to come back in a couple. Yeah, we gotta go info wipe. <laughs> we'll be right back. Oi, Welly. <sighs> yes, Miss Braun, what have you broken now? Oh, now go on, Welly. You're still not terse over that little accident I had over... Sorry, what was it again? The lost crystal skull of Montezuma. Exactly. As I've been reassigned here... Temporarily, I pray God on high. I'm going to have to learn how things run down here. Which brings me to this. Miss Braun, those are what we call archives. Not really a surprise, as we are currently... In the archives. Yes. Yes, Wally, I know that. But these archives haven't been catalogued. They haven't? That's what I'm trying to tell you. These must be lost stories featuring other agents from the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. Welly, this one here tells of a hundred-year-old madman terrorizing the Dark Continent. This one chronicles a confirmed haunting. And glancing at this one, this is a story of the foundation of the Ministry. Welly, this is a find of incredible significance. We need to share these stories. I'm sorry? Recently, on the etherwebs, I discovered this quaint notion called a podcast... I think we should take these stories and podcast them across the Empire. Miss Braun, as we are a clandestine organization within Her Majesty's government, don't you think sharing said stories would be against the rules? Only if we get caught. Tales from the Archives, the official Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences anthology, featuring original music from the Gearhearts, Alex White. Subscribe now at www. Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences.com. Welcome back to Testing the Monolith. I am LeJean Delawan Fondue, and we've been laughing a lot off pod. Yes. For reasons we're not going to go into. Yes. And I am the Master Bob. We should probably edit all that right back in at the very end of the show. <laughs> you probably will. Fun. Anyway, so. I have something that I can that we can kind of talk about. Cool. That I was kind of thinking about. So. Awesome. Um, I was watching, what was I watching? It was an episode of Doctor Who. Ooh. Bear in mind, everyone, the Master Bob who has given up Doctor Who was watching 
An episode of Doctor Who. An older episode of Doctor Who. Oh, back before it became Moffat's Run, I said. Right. All right. It, was a, it was a tenant episode. Ooh, good. I think it was the one with Madame the Pompadour. Uh, the Lady in the Fireplace? Yes, Lady okay. in the Fireplace. Thank you. Um, and I was looking at the Girl clockwork. The you were looking at the clockwork? Uh, the clockwork servants or whatever you want to call them, the bad guys, uh-huh. right? Um, and I was thinking about like the whole clock punk movement. Steampunk? No, no, well, clock punk is a derivative of steampunk. Oh, great. Clock punk is kind of um, Leonardo da Vinci's time, like the Renaissance, where he's making things with clockwork pieces instead of steam pieces. Ah, uh, gears. Right, right. right. Gear punk! Um, and it got me thinking about, there was a game that came out a long time ago, and by a long time, I mean probably 20 to 22 years now. Oh, well, that's a um, while. Yeah, back in the heyday, early days of... Uh, DOS video games. And uh, it was called Rocket Jockey. And Rocket Jockey... Um, oh, and also bear in mind. So so all of this came from watching Lady in the Fireplace. Dodgeball, of all things. Um, mostly because of the whole Patches of Houlihan instructional video. Where it was kind of like very pro-America. But it was like weird. And it wasn't like the America that we knew. America! Fuck yeah! Oh, sorry. And, uh, oh, wrong world. But, uh, and things like that, right? And I also reread Planetary recently, which has a lot of analogies to our superheroes, but in different ways. Um, and, like, the whole pulp era superheroes, too. Kind of like, you know, uh, The Shadow and Tarzan and things like that. The Phantom. Right, yeah, yeah. The Phantom. Uh, well, actually, did you know, quick aside, The Phantom was the first comic book ever. I did not first know that. superhero comic strip first one to ever wear tights goes to walk <laughs> um and it's been the longest running apparently started like 1938 in britain and that was before we had any sort of superheroes over here kind of neat yeah. anyway um so rocket jockey was this game where you have three different types of sports and it's basically uh you're a dude like a jockey i am a dude on a rocket on a jet engine with handles. Crotch rocket! Awesome! And it actually flies. And it has, like, little uh, grappling hooks that fire out left and right, so you would hit, like, L and R or whatever, or X and R. And the grappling hook would right. reach out, and you'd swing around. Or you could pick up a ball. Like, there were games where you had to pick up a ball and carry it and then launch it into net. Or where you could actually pull people off their rockets and then attach to a pole that's, like, kind of in the middle of the the, the arena. Or different. they had different poles for the, the quick movements and things like that and if you got them together and then hit the middle mouse button back when there were middle mice, mice button it would connect the two ropes together and the person would be tethered to that pole and it'd yank them off their rocket and you could hop off and if they had a better rocket you'd jump onto theirs and steal it i missed this growing up it was actually really cool it was it was uh, uh it, it flew way under the radar um unfortunately because it was such a great game and if they had like if they redid it now with online play, it would be huge, I think. Because it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot that you can do with it. wonder who owns the patent. Yeah, no kidding. Or the copyright. Um, but, uh, so, so the, the world in which they inhabit of this game is a lot like Crimson Skies. Crimson Skies was a game that Microsoft put out as a flying simulator. And uh, in this world, the United States was actually broken up. So the Civil War was actually lost by the Union. So you have the Confederate States. You have the Union. You have, um, like, the Louisiana Purchase was still 
Uh, I think it got taken over by the French. And well, then, it was originally owned by the French, so that could make sense. Right. It's still part of France, uh, or Canada, rather, um, or it's like, a, it's like its own country. You have Russia owns the Pacific Northwest. California is Hollywood land, and it's kind of an autonomous... Because we had to capitulate the fact that if the rest of the United States hadn't formed, they would still be there. Right. And Texas is its own country, of course. Yes. Um, And so it's, and and in Crimson Skies, there's like Zeppelins and there's planes with different configurations than what we have. They're all propeller planes. But it's, it's still that same, it's like, it's, it's not necessarily steampunk. It's just like alternate history where, but it's like 50s, kind of like, um... Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Okay. So... What al- is that called? Al- well, A, it's an alternate history. Right, obviously. Um, but what is that sort of... What is that style called? Like where people wear like, you know, the the, the aviator uh, it, hats with the goggles and leather jackets and they it's do... It's almost totally Buck Rogers-esque. The original... Was Buck Rogers in that era? Oh, yeah. Buck Rogers and uh, uh, Flash Gordon... They were but I same. it was like Buck Rogers in the 23rd century or something like that. Buck Rogers in the 25th century, yeah. And but Flash Gordon is... I mean, all of them had the same weird design of the, sure. the aero ship, spaceships, and, and uh, the, the you know goggles and, and you know all of that. It's it's all very World War One, World War Two esque Yeah. Um, but it's as if World War Two never actually happened. Like in, in Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, if you really pay attention... We were never in World War Two. It never actually happened, and World War One was won by Germany. That's how that world worked. Yes, that's why. But if you if you think about it, if 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 Germany actually had won World War One, there would have been no Hitler, <laughs> right? And there would have been no World War Two, and they would have just kind of well, stopped. we can't they say that there wouldn't over. have been no World War Two, but there wouldn't have been a Hitler. At right. least there wouldn't have been a Hitler in power, right? And they they would. I mean, World War One was all about. It wasn't. It wasn't about taking over the rest of the world either. But anyway, the the war to end all war, wars, the first one. <laughs> right. So anyway, I was thinking about that whole style of of world, right? And um, I wanted to remember what it was called, but I, I, um, I guess the main topic that I'm trying to, that I'm really round about getting to. That's all right. We, we is, like that sort of thing here. Is really kind of back to the pulp heroes. The the old radio show or early comic book penny or what are they called dime penny treadfuls or yeah. dime cent uh, dime store novels or right right stuff like um what was Axel Brass not Axel Brass Doc not Doc Samson what was it uh, Doc Savage Doc Savage right like that era stuff like what was your favorite sort of you know hero but I know you we were we both weren't alive back then but what is your well, favorite strangely in the early 80s um I, we my father moved us out to a farm for a couple of years and all we had was off the air broadcast and we I don't if you've ever you know been moved from a city to a farm you'll realize there's not a whole hell of a lot to do on a farm mm-hmm. when you're used to work uh, being in a city so I on Saturdays I would watch local PBS and they would have something called Saturday at the Bijou, okay, which they ran in pretty much similar style to how it would go if you went to a movie house all day in the 30s. They ran the old serials, 
the oh, old Flash Gordons, okay. the old Gene Autry and the singing cowboys. Right. Did they do the news stories too? And the news stories too. They That's ran the, cool. the news reels. I got to see all of this stuff. So I'm 12 years old in 80 or 11 and 12 years old in the early 80s, and I'm watching this stuff from the early from the 30s and 40s. Right. You know, right around World War II sort of stuff. So I get the idea of what this stuff ran like. And they ran in the same way. They would run one weekend. You'd get right up to the end of the cliffhanger because this was original serialized fiction. Uh, so it was like, oh, Buck Rogers has just fallen off the cliff and cut. Right. So it was like uh, literally right. cliffhanging. <laughs> but it gave you something to look forward to. It. Yeah, so there, there's your weekends. You would watch matinee. matinee. It was matinee at the Bijou. Okay. And, uh, and <laughs> so I get this. I understand what these serials were like. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. But so, so who was your favorite then? Who? Well, that's it's really tough. I mean, I liked the uh, the Ming the Merciless and Flash Gordon stuff. Mm-hmm. Really really campy of course but i mean even for the time it's like you're watching the robot men in the in the show and there are these big trash cans on top of people right with, with rounded heads I mean, right yeah it's uh i mean we're, we're you think daleks are, <laughs> are are campy these things were bad right right but fun i mean total 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 adventure fun mm-hmm. and uh and especially if you're 12 years old and you're watching black and white television, which we were, it didn't make a difference. <laughs> yes, sir. I just had an epiphany. Sorry. You were talking about the Flash Gordon, and then you started talking about Daleks. So, of course, I started thinking about Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And I realized what pisses me off most about the new episodes. New episode, rant, begin. There is no lull of absolute loss before the cavalry 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 is a completely different thing that's right that's yes. a place where they saw jesus or something uh, cavalry was the place of the skull it was the hill where he was crucified go on right cavalry there's no lull of absolute defeat before the cavalry comes in there's no extreme low point you right. are correct right and that that takes a skill in writing that moffat i think is lacking Davies it, could do it, but he was always big on not making the suffering last. So it would be there, and he'd make Tennant could pull off this whole very sad moment where he just kind of drifts off into his own head, and his face just gets really sad, and you just sit there, and you kind of get crushed a little bit inside. And then all of a sudden, he's back to being manic. Matt Smith did it a couple times in the first season because they had him do it that way. Yep. And they then, had him play up to Tennant's role, and then they shifted full gear into whatever the hell Moffat wanted. Right. And so there's no, there's yeah, there's no point of, of absolute dejection. And they don't even use dramatic music the way that, that Davies did. No. There's no don't. sense of theater anymore. Yeah, it, it's, it's all just whimsy. It's whimsy and all playing up to. I, I get the feeling. I get the feeling that it's all playing up to how Moffat's kid would react to the episode when he watches it. Right. Which means that he's playing toward children, and I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But there's playing to children, and then there's playing to your entire audience with keeping children in mind, right? With a focus on children, right? So right. here, I mean, we've got this perfect contrast. We've got Phineas and Ferb, which is enjoyable, totally enjoyable. It's silly fun, and all of that. But it's you know, it's written in mind of keeping adults. 
engaged in the show. Right. And Moffat has lost sight of this. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, you do have to have low points. You can't have the Doctor happy all the time. Right, because then it just gets boring. It, it really... It becomes Barney and Friends. <sighs> anyway. You brought up the B word. You, you uh, uh, Doctor Who ran over. So, going back to the, the serials and everything like that. Yes. Um, I kind of appreciate... I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I appreciate those heroes that were Superman without... Superman. Superman without magical powers. Right. Okay. The Shadow had hypnosis. That was... He was pretty much psychic. He had the ability to cloud men's minds. Right, but he was still there in full view. Like, Margot never worked on. More or less. Uh, More or less. You know, I've got to go back and listen to the actual radio plays. Okay. They're all available online, actually. I know. I just have to go and do it. And my, you know, available time for listening to anything in audio lately has been diminished. Yeah. Um, Or or, uh, Flash Gordon. Right? Or... Uh, Buck Rogers, sorry. Buck Rogers, twenty fourth and a half. Now, if you've ever watched the, I mean, the the the, the uh, Looney Tunes, Duck Dodgers, Duck Dodgers in the twenty fourth and a half century, it's playing off that. You yeah. know, because that was long before the nineteen eighties, nineteen seventies series, right? So, yeah, right. there was a Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth century, legitimate title, right? And he had no special powers. No, he had ingenuity. Yep, yep, yep. and he was. A fit person. Yes. But he wasn't like Ultraman or anything. No. Um, but Ultraman wasn't really Ultraman either. <laughs> well, that's, that's crossing the, uh, the uh, Pacific, and we're not going to go there yet. <laughs> um, and then, see, see, that's why I appreciate characters like John Constantine, the actual John Constantine. The movie was great. shouldn't have been called Constantine. But I, I really enjoy the movie. The movie. Yeah. Um, but the comic book, Hellblazer, with John Constantine. John Constantine doesn't really have a lot of magical power. Well, he does, but he doesn't. He doesn't use it very often, rather. He just kind of uses his uh, wit and guile to get through situations. And he uses magic to kind of at his advantage because... For example, he can he can you know there there are no bookies in town that will let him place a bet because he's always right. Or um, there's this really cool thing that he does where he he's able to ride what's called the synchronicity highway, where he'll be walking along and then all of a sudden he'll be on a plane somewhere and then all of a sudden he'll be somewhere else just because he's everything is falling into line. So it just happens that he knows exactly how to walk that path, <laughs> which is kind of cool. But that's really I mean that's the extent of his powers, more or less. He's just a person. He's a magician. And he's got demon's blood from a, a situation that happened a long time ago. But it doesn't give him any extra ability. People hate him more because of it. Yes. So I, I've been thinking that I, I've started to appreciate characters like that more than... Well, they're adult. I mean, you think about it. You're, you're, it's a maturing of, of your tastes from, say, guys in tights who will save the world because they've got the power to do so versus... Um, Guys who are not uh, powerful uh, in that sort of way and may die just because some jerk pulls a gun and points it at someone else. Right. They are vulnerable and therefore they get out of their situation with guile. Whereas. Uh, with intelligence, with, with, with things that we're able. Because when we're kids, 
we can grow up thinking I'm going to be like that. And then now that we're adults, we're never going to be like that. Yeah, you're it's never, too late to be that you're way. You're not going to grow up to be Superman. I'm sorry. Right. You cannot step off a building and just stay in the air. It doesn't happen. You can, but for such a minuscule amount of time that most people won't notice, but physics will notice it. It's true. Yes, it's true. Just like when people say that you won't slow down a train if you step in front of it, you will. It's a very, very, very insignificant amount, but you will slow down that train. It's called equal but opposite reactions, and... Uh, right. And you're going to Your lose. mass versus their mass. It's... Yes, yes, yes. I know. Christ. I like Christ. physics. Leave me alone. <laughs> Christ has no place in physics. Oh, oh, crap. If I could only think of some element that, that has the word Christ in it, but never mind. <laughs> um... Yeah, so uh, I, I just wanted to, I guess, talk about my appreciation of the old-timey heroes and the fact that it used to be, and I'm going to go right back to it because it's all we ever talk about these days. It's all we ever talk about these days. That Doctor Who used to be that way. Yes. No powers, just an incredible <laughs> intellect. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. He's, first of all, he's an alien. Mm-hmm. So he has certain abilities that... People trust people, him. He's well, got some mental abilities. He ha- yes, we've never been able to fully suss out what those are, but he's got two hearts. He's got the ability to survive in space for a limited amount of time. They have not thrown that away. Um, he has an innate sense of time. Right. Yes. So he has some specialized abilities, but that's all from his origin. Right. Which they've been fucking with lately. Um Yes. Anyway, so let's 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 do this. Let's leave this. All I want to finish off with is the fact that Doctor Who used to be one of those characters, regardless of his alien upbringing and all that sort of stuff. He was a character that did not use anything really but his intelligence to get him through situations. And a sonic screwdriver. And a sonic screwdriver. Sometimes not all doctors had the sonic screwdriver. No, the right. the first two did not. Right. And then I think five didn't either. Uh, five. Well, they've all had it because it started at three. So three and four definitely had it. I don't recall much with Peter uh, Davison. He and, didn't use it very yeah, much. He might not have used it much. Right. It, well, he, he like they say in, in that one Christmas special thing, he liked to fly by the seat of his pants. He liked to do it all manually, not with the screwdriver. Yeah. Uh, but six did. Seven did. Eight. Well, let's not talk about that movie. Right. Um, nine, ten, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven's bothers me because it has a psychic interface, which pisses me off because it's too convenient to let anybody use it. I liked when Rose had to be traveling with him enough to know how to use it, or Martha, or yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So we're going to take a break. We're going to regroup. We're going to come back for the horde, for the whores, for the whores. Have you ever wanted to set up your own website? How about post your insights, ideas, or creative works on the web for others to contemplate, comment, or enjoy? Sound intriguing? If so, then WordPress is the software for you. It's so easy to get started and create content. And best of all, it's free. Now, to help you get going, check out the book, Teach Yourself WordPress in 10 Minutes, and the companion podcast, Teach Yourself WordPress in 10 Minutes, in 10 Minutes, hosted by authors Chuck Tomasi and Craig Stepp. Whether you're brand new to WordPress or have been using it for years, you're sure to learn something from Chuck and Craig. 
In each 10-minute episode, the Companion Podcast covers tips, insights, latest developments, and useful WordPress information that just wouldn't fit in the book. Be more effective with WordPress.com and WordPress.org by listening to the podcast, Teach Yourself WordPress in 10 Minutes, in 10 Minutes. Find it at ChuckChat.com or search for Teach Yourself WordPress in iTunes. And welcome back to Touching the Monolith. I am LeJean Delawan Fondue. And I am the Master Bob. And we are having a conversation off-cast about stuff. Stuff. LeJean has been kind of obsessed with uh, Sherlock Holmes lately because he and Mrs. Fondue have been started watching, re-watching, and again re-watching the Jeremy Brett version of Sherlock Holmes. Which really fucking kicks ass, I tell you. It is. It's very good. The man was a very, very good actor. Yes, and it's... And he portrayed it very well. Yes, and it, one one would not know just from watching how, how awesome his portrayal of Sherlock Holmes is that he was in the movie uh, My Fair Lady um, as Freddie Einsford Hill. But, uh... You're not... Is that the Ring, Ring, Ring Goes the Trolley movie? No, no that that's stayed me. fair. Okay. Um, Ring, ring, ring goes the trolley. <laughs> and there's Meet Me in St. Louis. Meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me at the... We're going to cut no, this shit out. Yeah, no, we're not. No, no, I mean, we're cutting this out right now. Like, we're stopping <laughs> Yeah, we're this. stopping now. So, anyway, um, so now there are graphic novels that are apparently very graphic novels uh, of the Sherlock Holmes adventures. They are... Let's, let's put it this way. They are accurate portrayals of the books in Including which... Including the murders in, and the mutilations right, people, and the cocaine use... Uh, you know, I haven't gotten to that part yet. Okay, but, but definitely, they, specifically, the one that my my wife mentioned she saw at the library was a yes, Mrs. Fondue was at the library. Um, she found one of them where a a the murdered people have their ears cut off and mailed at Christmas time in a box to one of the women who was having revenge placed was on her. Was there an episode of Poirot that did the same thing? Did Agatha Christie have something very similar to that? You're the Agatha Christie fan. I don't know. I'm not an Agatha Christie fan. I'm a Poirot fan. There's a difference. Because I like David Suchet's wow. portrayal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, right. And Lejean here thinks that mailing ears is a little too graphic for the young adult section of the it, graphic novels. It, it, ear shows up in the mail. You open the box. There's ears that have been cut off of people they are reading things like the hunger games and harry potter where people are getting their mind raped true true and i don't know what level these are set for but still it's it's a little heavy for kids i think i mean i think you misunderstand kids these days i mean what they're exposed to on the internet alone Okay, perhaps I like the idea that we could go back to a time when they don't have that opportunity to have their lives all screwed up by things on the internet. But well, they're just numb, you know. By the time, well, yeah, by the time seen, that this generation is thirty, I've seen the fifteen-year-olds that are walking in the mall. I know they're numb yeah. between the ears. Well, of course they yeah. are. They're 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 on. Well, I mean, if they had as much sensory overload as we did then they too would probably need six months in Mexico away from all technology just to kind of unwind, unplug. God, I'd love to have six months away from anything. Technological? Well, like you know, a stack I, of books? The, a stack of books and pen and paper. I mean, well, maybe several pens and paper. Right. Yeah. And several pads of paper, yeah. Lots of paper. Lots of paper. Yeah. Lots of paper. Toilet paper. We're going back to the war. It's young Indiana Jones all over again. Um, 
sorry, never mind. I've lost him. Bye bye. (laughs) What have you got? I've made references he doesn't understand. It's my fault. Young Indiana Jones. Yes, the the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles at one point had Young Indiana Jones uh, team up with um, elderly spies, elderly like OS people in London, and uh, these are guys who went out into Nazi Germany looking for toilet paper. Now, this is important because they didn't have processed toilet paper at the time. What they used was old, uh, or or rather, um, information communiques and whatnot. Uh, You know, we're going to wipe them on our ass and we're going to toss them down the latrine. That's getting rid of them. So you go and look for toilet paper to spy on the other side. Speaking of toilet paper and kind of that era with Nazis, Mm. there is now toilet paper with Hitler's face minus the mustache and it's called and it's a website it's like shitler.com or something like that but just google shitler i'm fine thanks and 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 you can make hitler have a mustache and they're having a contest where people are taking pictures of the best hitler stash I think I'll avoid this site. <laughs> yeah. But it's still a funny idea. It was it was done by a German. It was made by a German. It's from Germany. That doesn't make it any better. No, I'm not saying it's making it better. I'm just saying. It, it's one of those things that would probably be... It, it's funny. Germany has really interesting... Uh, Laws about things. Laws about the World War II and showing of Hitler and, and what light. Now, I think this one would actually fly right by those laws and say, right. Hi, go right ahead. Right. Swish. <laughs> <laughs> or flush. Flush, yeah. Flush. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that you've all been thoroughly disgusted. Yeah. Um... <laughs> We we're so off the rails. <laughs> it's an ADD podcast today. Yeah, well, I like those. But that's you all right. You like those? I like the the structure and the, the the talking points. Well, we should probably we could probably start doing that again. I mean, it has been a year since we did it that way. Yeah, and we, we gave your my way a try. We give your way a try. We give my way a try, and then yeah. we'll find a happy medium. And nobody listens anyway, so it's just more for us anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll come up with a new theme song again. 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 Yeah. Well, now that I'm here, I can help sing it. Awesome. Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, I have been requested to uh, to do... Yeah, the uh, Jack Mangan uh, from Jack Mangan's Deadpan Podcast... Ding. Ding. uh, Has... uh, He's having a a Deadpan meetup. All his listeners uh, are going to come into Phoenix on the weekend of... The May 5th, and... Uh, Cinco de Mayo. Or in English, May 5th. So, <laughs> that weekend, um, and they're just getting together, to, you know, because it's, it's a close-knit internet group. I mean, it, they're actually really good friends. So, uh, they're getting together, and I have been requested to do backup to Jack Mangan's vocals on uh, a couple of songs. Wow. Or, yeah, a song. Wow. Yeah. He definitely has more listeners than we do. He probably does. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, touchers. I love each and every two of you. At any rate, so, yeah, I was requested. But, but my backup, my accompaniment is not going to be vocals. It's going to be on kazoo. Ah. Specifically, specifically because of the original 2001 theme that we did right. with kazoo. <laughs> 
So do you have a kazoo for this? I, I have a kazoo, but I wanted to get a different one. The plastic one I've got is, um, I've used it a little bit too much, so okay. it's, it's starting to get a little rot. So I've, I actually had a trek where I went out to the mall today to a game shop where I could have swore I saw kazoos, um, just those little metal ones, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, no, they were either all out, which seemed unlikely because they had harmonicas there, um, or they just never had them and I was remembering something else. So that's entirely possible. Are kazoos considered actual in- uh, musical instruments? Yes. You go to a I'd, music store. I, I could, or I could go to World Market. Cost Plus, they also sell them. That's where I got yours. Oh. I still have mine unopened. Well, good if for you. you want to take it and use it for this. No, because then you'll never be able to use it because my mouth will have been on your, kama- her, your kazoo. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I was going to make the joke. Were you now? Mm, <laughs> I was. I were. I were. I'm two steps ahead of you. Only this time. Normally, normally not. But this time, Vondu, this time... We'll have to let our listeners make that decision. So... Yeah, uh, we're going to go refocus, so we'll be right back. We're going to come back with a pimp, and we'll end the show. Forever. No. Oh, all right. Well, whatever is that contraption? It is called... A... Just a moment. You're reading Knight's Plutonian Shore by Jack Mangan. And I have Dust on the Davenport by O.M. Gray queued up next. What a brilliant notion. Tales from the Archives, available as Penny Dreadfuls. What? You're quite right, Welly. Available as 99 Penny Dreadfuls. Hold on. These are still classified documents. Strike up the music. Announcers, if you please. The 99 Penny Dreadfuls. Where did you come from? Steampunk short stories from Phil Rossi, Nathan Lowell, Valerie Griswold Board, and many others. Available for 99 cents. How did you get down here? With an orchestra. Visit the Kindle store at Amazon.com, the Nook store at BarnesandNoble.com, or Smashwords.com. Please leave. Or visit the short stories page at MinistryofPeculiarOccurrences.com. Welcome back to Touching the Monolith. I am Lejeune de Luan Fondu. <laughs> you know, I've never actually seen your face when you've done that before. It's <laughs> a whole new experience. We are in the same room together, and he is the master Bob. No, it's true. Yes. It is. Bob. It's still true. Yep. Pimp time. Pimping. Pimp of the geek. Of the geek. So I'll go first because mine's kind of vague and abstract. And mine is specific and mm-hmm. not abstract at all. I uh, It's not necessarily a, a thing that I'm pimping. It is more of a appreciation for a certain style of X. X? Buy this X on... No, never mind. Go on. Buy your X here. No, we don't sell X. We don't sell X? crap we sell out there's a difference we'd love to sell out yes if anybody wants to anyway the pimp the geek it's an appreciation for world building and what i mean by that is not necessarily where a author or a writer or a um, visual artist i suppose will take time out and say this is what the universe is like and this is what this place is like and this is what this place is like what i really appreciate is when you're watching a movie and there's characters walking along the street 
And behind them, you see weird things like other characters, or not, I mean, just NPCs or whatever you want to call them, uh, extras in odd garb that have that, that kind of hint at what kind of world they're in. Or you might see like a Zeppelin go through the sky, but they don't actually ever talk about the Zeppelins or, or they don't talk about what's going on in the background because everything's in the foreground. You, they just get hint at it. Or when authors of books will describe something going on like in a scene and never come back to it. They'll mention things by name, like objects and devices and things like that by name, and never actually explain what it does. You just have to infer what it does from the name, from the name and the context. I love that sort of thing because it's not it, it's it's less that the author is needing to describe everything to you. So you're talking now. You're talking particularly movies, or you're talking books too? Books, movies, comic books too. Okay. Um, some video games do it where you can kind of see things in the background. Like there is a like I've spoken about this video game before. It's a video game called Wipeout. It's for the it's been around since PS1 and it's all the way through PS3. And in it you are it's a racing game. It's a futuristic racing game and you have these really cool little ships that you fly around and there's a track and everything like that. Um but pod the, racing? No, no. Okay. Cuz you're not a te- it's not like chariot racing. You're actually like in a jet in, like in a jet or it's like Something like that, right? Um, but in the background, you can see, like, they, they have different names of the different tracks, and they tell you what planet it's on. And some of, one of them is, like, Earth 4 or something like that. Or one of them was, uh, um, like, New New Vegas or something like that was one of the names of the tracks, right? Earth 2... New nude Vegas. Well, things like that, and so and so on certain tracks. If you pause it at the right time, you can see like floating buildings in the background, or as you as you because you're going at such high speeds, everything's almost a blur. So you're talking about the detail. Yeah. Okay. But the fact that they not they don't they, there is no backstory to this game. You're just flying around and trying to race, but all the all the all the detail of the the world that they've built gives you a really cool glimpse. As to what this society is like, as if you're a tourist who's just there for the race, somewhat. Yeah, but I'm, I I understand what you're talking about. I mean, it's like uh, watching the Doctor uh, Doctor Who, watching <laughs> watching the Sherlock Holmes stuff um, with the Jeremy Brett stuff. They've had to go back and create 1800s, early 1900s London. Right. So you've got the people in the the dressed in the costumes. You've got them walking in the background. Um, you've got you've got Sherlock Holmes and Watson walking down the street, passing the lampposts and the the buildings with the two twenty one B. It's less about it's less about the the background detail, and it's more about because you know what that world is, so you know well, what that, you're expecting right, to see that specific world. All right, it's, it's more when you're in a new and alien place. Let let me let me take a different tack then. The fifth element. Yes. Yes. Where that's okay, very good example. Where they don't explain the whole thing. You get the idea that the Monashi ones have been in contact with the, the uh, humans for a long, long time. How's about just the floating uh, Chinese junk lunch wagon? Right, right. Uh, the 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 cabs that all fly. Uh, the 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 fact that the fog exists is, at exists all. at all. Right. Um, Right, and that's all they say. They say they lost them in the fog, and you know what that fog is and how high above it they are. Right. But they don't actually explain it. No. You just know, or it's inferred. 
it's that sort of thing that I really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner did it too. Blade Runner did it too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Where there's like all the little street people, and or you the just get advertising. The, sense, the advertising. Or you yeah. get the sense that most people went off world in the colonies because there's almost nobody ever around. I'm sorry. You must have watched a different version of Blade Runner than I did. There were five. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well. Okay. So uh, Blade Runner. There was a video game that came off. Came out afterward. Oh, it was a oh. five disc or six disc, and they kind of fleshed out the story a little bit. But they talk about how there was a nuclear war, and that's why most of the natural animals have died. Oh, then okay. The and animals. that's why owning okay. real animals is illegal because they're so rare. Um, and then they also talk about how most people left to go to the off-world colonies because it's all, go to the colonies. Um, and that's why there's not a huge population in the movie. Except that there's this whole street scene, and it seems overcrowded whenever they're out on the streets. Um, right, except for, but late at night. They all know, come out of the wood. And Sebastian was living in a hotel all alone. Well, there was that. That's you true. Know, that And the fact that... For being such a large company, you didn't really see anybody but Tyrell and Rachel. Rachel, right. who was a, sim- a replicant. replicant. Right. But that's what I'm talking about. It's, Blade Runner is a very good example. Yeah. Where there's shit in the background that they don't explain. It just It's there. Yep. And you just kind of, oh, so that's how it is. That's cool. And you could write an entire story. Someone else could take that and write an entire story based on the things in the background. Yeah. I gotta say though, I, I I watched Blade Runner after seeing New Heart, and when Sebastian showed up, I kept looking for Daryl and his other brother Daryl. And nobody gets that joke anymore. <laughs> nobody gets that joke anymore. But Fifth Sad. Element is probably the best example of what it, I'm talking. It's about. It's an awesome example of it because yeah. they have all the ships, like like the the space liner ship. They don't really explain it. It just goes to warp, and you just know what that is. The the points on the license thing. Right. You have X points on your license, and if you run out of points, you not allowed to drive. Not allowed anymore. to drive the anymore. Cops are, yeah. Right. Exactly. Or even just how they have like the little green, you know, uh, lights for the for the frontier that they have to pass through. How's about the genetic rebuilding of a person? Right. That's, you know, this just fancy slip, 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 slip. Everything comes into place. We regrow this and we're going to bomb it with slightly greasy solar atoms to cause it to force to react, which means growing skin. Right. What? Right, right. No explanation for that. Just Well, actually, that was the explanation. Sure. It doesn't make any logical right, sense. Right, Very little explanation. Or just like when she poured the, the little pellets into the bowl, uh, yeah, and then the, turned it on and pulled out a big bowl of chicken. Chicken. Right. I mean, it's that sort of thing that I love. Like, those are the things I appreciate, where they're not, where they don't come back and they say, oh, it's a rehydrator or something stupid like that. Like, just let us assume. Give yeah. us give us some benefit of the doubt that we can figure it out. She figured it out. She didn't know anything. Right. At or the time. Everything. But <laughs> anyway, so that's my pimp is the appreciation for authors and creators of media to keep things to the imagination. Move cool. On. I, coming back to the hard and concrete fact, because we want a total absence of hard and concrete facts. Thank you, Doug. Um... Doug? Douglas Adams. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't say broom fondle. I didn't say magic thighs. Okay. <laughs> there we go. 
I'm going to uh, wow. <laughs> pimp, pimp a book called Pocket Ref. Which is probably the closest thing you're going to get to the Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's small. It's an actual reference guide. It holds a lot of just facts, just simple facts uh, from, you know, world electric and television sizes. and, and, and Would you uh, call those big writing? friendly letters? Big friendly letters? It does have large friendly letters on the cover it was written by thomas j glover uh it is i'm currently i'm looking at a fourth edition they're probably in a fifth edition by now um the mythbusters uh, jamie heineman and adam savage use this book that is how it's advertised at least on think geek when i bought it um give us a random fact a random fact random fact a uh, fingernail polish remover an organic solvent which is a mixture of acetate Propylene carbonate, dimethyl, sorry, dimethyl, dimethyl glutarate, uh, dimethyl saconate, and dimethyl uh, adipate. Good for various applications. Dissolves plastics. Extremely flammable. Eye, nose, and throat irritant. Poisonous. Harmful to synthetic fabrics and wood finishes. Um, Good for righties and lefties. Breaks down into four parts. <laughs> <laughs> Again with his pimp, no, but yeah, it's it. Uh, I'm finding that I purchased this a while ago, largely because I wanted to get something free with my points on on ThinkGeek, and this looked like it was cool and within my price range, which was like six bucks, and so I got this and uh, I got my free item. But this turned out to be rather cool. It has it has things like uh, certain uh, notch knots for various hitches so if you do any camping or boating it has some knots in here that you might find useful it has weather uh charting and uh zip codes and phone numbers to various airports in the united states it has uh it has skid marks versus tire tracks or speed versus skid marks speed versus skid marks say your joke so you're gonna know how fast you're pooing yes Uh, has the blood type distribution in the United States, for instance. Uh, how to make concrete. Um, wow. How to mix concrete and knots and bends, which I would have found useful last weekend <laughs> had I only had this book with Lejean's me. in the Civil War Reenactment Guild, and he plays a Confederate soldier. And Bob knows how to lie. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, actually, my wife and, and I uh, play occasionally in the SCA, Society for Creative Anachronism. and uh, It's medieval reenactment, for those of you who don't know. They go out and they pretend like they're in... What period is it supposed to be? It, well, it's Society for Creative Anachronism, therefore it's a large range rather than just the medieval time period. 680 to 1600... Uh, I'm sorry, 600... B.C. to 1600 A.D. B.C.E. Before the era. Yes. Of commonality. That's a big period. It is. It's huge. But as long as you're able to support your garb and whatnot in that time range, you're fine. Anyway, this uh, last weekend, we ended up having high winds, and uh, I had well, to tie down... if you had less beans... Quite. There were a lot of beans in the food we were eating. That would cause some high winds. It could, but yes. But also the weather was uh, kind of windy, and we uh, ended up having to tie guy wires down to our uh, our shade structure. And uh, had I known better how to tie the knots, I, I would have felt more comfortable about what I had done. They're, so yes. they're in here. So, And it's funny, because it's always like the... Uh 
I wouldn't say most useless, but it's always kind of the useless stuff. Not useless. The thing that you think you're going to just buy randomly, that you end up using the most. Yeah. Like, for example, a Christmas gift that I got from a friend of mine was an impulse buy. He didn't even mean to buy me a Christmas gift. He just thought, eh, Bob will probably like this. And I use it every single day. Cool. Yeah. Uh, same thing goes um, our friend Haas. Uh, when he got married, he and I was one, I was one of his groomsmen. Groomsmen, um, he handed out this little multi-tool sort of device, just a crappy, you know, little ten dollar little plastic thing. It has a uh, like a glasses eyeglasses screwdriver on it. Has a little pen. Has a magnifying a, glass. No, no magnifying oh. glass, but it, it has a little box, tiny box cutter. And uh, electric light, you know, just for, you know, it's a keychain, it's sure. a keychain fob. And certainly seemed like a dumb gift at the time, but, you know, it's small, it's the token, it's the idea. I mean, it's the whole groomsman gift. Sure. I gave my groomsman Nerf weaponry. Right. But this thing, I have used at least twice a week since I've got it. And actually, I don't use his anymore because I wore the blade out on the box cutter and had to buy a new one. <laughs> and it's too small to sharpen. It's yeah, well, it's yeah, way too small to sharpen. But it was it's so useful. It came in handy. I've tightened up a number of small screws with the screwdriver. Right. I've used the pen on occasion. Even I've I've even used the stupid light that's on the damn thing. It it's just this remarkably useful tiny stupid device, and I keep it on my keychain. I, I, I've bought another one because so I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Right and on. Right on. Right the on. Pocket reference or pocket ref by Thomas J. Glover, available at thinkgeek.com um, for around six dollars. Don't quote me on that. I'm not looking at the internet site. So. So. We should call that a cast. We will call that a cast. We like to thank everyone for listening. Remember, you can now find us oh, at yes. www.lejohnajohnson.net slash touching the monolith. Yes, you can. Not touching the monolith. No. Yeah. Right. I'll have to listen to our end music and make sure that that's up to date. Yeah. So ignore the end music, but we thank you for listening. Huzzah! Huzzah. www.touchingthemonolith.com Email us at touchingthemonolith at gmail.com Or on Twitter, I'm the Master Bob And I'm Dillawan Von Du And together we are a monolith toucher Leave a voicemail at 602-UGLY-GIRL Or 602-845-9447 And search for us on iTunes And Facebook as Touching the Monolith Touching the Monolith Touching the Monolith has been released under an attribution-only, non-commercial, no-derivatives, Creative Commons 3.0 United States license. Please, share responsibly.